When you come inside, my TV, as I said before, you can sense the danger when you're stuck about the rapping ranger with silver and I Take a ride, all you two better step aside. I steal the squads, then I run away. How silver is what I'll say.
Welcome to the Spirit Animal Podcast. Today we do have a special guest, Claudius, also known as the Snake Father. This man is an inspiration not only to our business or our own family, but throughout the entire reptile community. It is uh, far-fetched from the intro that I might be able to provide today, but this guy has really uh, pushed out through our mimic of our business plan or the mimic of how we derive our business. It's almost as a mimic of this man that we're about to talk to. Uh, but without further ado, the Snake Father. Good evening. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. How's your day going? Pretty good, pretty good. It's been a busy Saturday. Um, today I had uh, two shoots earlier before before the podcast, and I know that we've been uh, like postponing and postponing, postponing because I've been busy. But I'm glad that we finally were able to get some time to be able to get together and do this podcast. Man, it really uh, took some time to get scheduled, but I'm glad we actually <laughs> came around and, and got it scheduled. But I can, I can relate. It's it's a. I was supposed to go to this morning for a. Uh, it was it's kind of like an educational showing for a pop up, from twelve yeah. to four, uh, but we didn't make it. We just had a family emergency. But it, you know how it goes, man. We just have to reschedule. <laughs> yeah, man. So far, um, I don't think we've had any shoots this this month. But it's it's been pretty slow this month for photo shoots. Yeah. But hopefully, next month we have some scheduled. I know we have a couple scheduled for our own animals and myself. I've been wanting right. to get a photo shoot done for the longest time, man. <laughs> hey, well, now you're going to have the time to do it. Yeah, finally, brother, finally. And hey, what was today, man? Any other plans after today? You have any other photo shoots scheduled? Um, Let's see. Well, now that I'm back home, I'm going to get the animals situated, clean a few enclosures, you know, usual maintenance with the, with the snakes. Any breeding right now, or do you have any babies? Uh, well, I currently have one clutch in the incubator, and I've got one female that's due to drop literally any day now. So um, I've got a clutch of eggs from a, from a retic, and the pairing was Motley Phantom to Phantom Golden Child. So I'm expecting to get some Super Phantoms, which are all white, and some Motley Goldens, which are all black. So I'm looking to get some, uh, some like yin and yang with this, uh, with this clutch. That's going to be amazing. And it, the variation yeah. you can get with retics is insane, too. Exactly. It's just like a whole spectrum. Yeah, you got to hit them up when his babies come out. It's beautiful animals. Brother, to get started, I wanted to give a small intro in between how we actually met or how we actually came to be. Um, I actually just hit up the Snake Father online, you know, on, on Instagram, and we started off from there. Admiring his animals and just looking at his way of being. Um, I myself was a photographer. I liked to do photography back in the day in high school. I took a couple courses and I continued off with the old, you know, shut and close cameras, the old eye uh, lenses or the Nikon cameras. And from there on, it just became something that I left on as a past hobby until around the time when we started moving into working from home be prior to COVID. So we were sent home probably about a year or a year and a half prior to COVID happening. We work for Humana Insurance and this is for Medicare insurance. So like okay. it's, it, it was kind of sketched out, you know, that they started moving us a year and a half prior to working from home. And then everything started happening and all those calls started coming in. 
it, it was a very flux time. But during that period, we, we started, you know, getting into different hobbies. Uh, my wife started getting into her hobbies. I started getting into my reptiles. Um, the right. first animal that we owned was a uh, Honduran milk snake. And then from there, it just became a hoarding obsession until I found what I really <laughs> wanted to do. <laughs> that sounds very but when familiar. We you, brother, when we saw you do, you know, the photography scene and then involving models and, and getting into that industry, um, I myself have dealt with the music industry and the radio industry prior to doing any photography. So it was kind of like an okay. easy correlation to happen. You know, it's just bounding to happen at one point in time. And, and you, man, were the greatest inspiration to push me to do it. You and Elias, it was just like seeing your guys' work, like his photography is insane, and then seeing your right. just constant hustle. Because on your end, brother, it's like not only just photography or what you do, but you're you're running the track. You're you're doing something else with, with choreography in Hollywood or you're doing right, a film right, right. Volgate or something. You know, it's, it's insane to see you work. <laughs> Yeah, it's never a dull moment. I can say that I, I try to keep myself busy. Uh, like idle idle time is not something that I really enjoy. Like I like keeping busy. I like being productive. So you know, the more that I can do and the more that I can like just produce and be, uh, it's just the better off I am. Yeah. Yeah, and it seems like that's like kind of like the the, the running towards the uh, the middle of the the, the hurricane. You know, you, it's it's the calmest place to be. In the eye of the storm, yeah. The eye of the storm, brother. So since we're talking about spirituality, do you have any type of spiritual habits that you get into prior to starting your day or initiating your day? Um, I'd like to say yes, but I know that I'm not con as consistent with with them as I should be. So, you know, when I'm, when I'm cognizant of it, when I'm mindful of it, I do take a moment to appreciate where I am in life and appreciate my mindset, my perspective, and, you know, acknowledge that it is not just me, like there's a higher power and there's a you know path that we're on. And like, I just, I take a moment, I take a breath, and really be grateful for where I am and what I am and how I am. Gratitude. That is your, your yes, ritual. Gratitude. That is your ritualistic being, being grateful. And do you find yourself on a daily doing this, or it's just something that just when it comes to being, you're just like when it, absorbing? Yeah, it. when it when it comes to me, that's when I'm able to actually be in that space. Um, I wish that it was daily. Uh, I, I having this conversation now gives puts me in a mindset where I should think of it daily. You know, uh, appreciate the blessings that I have in my life. Appreciate um, just actually taking the time to acknowledge it. Is very important. Yeah. It's essential to realize how far I've come. And you show it, show it with your your being. Just just what you put out with your work. You know, it's, it's very uh, inspiring to see somebody put out that much hustle. You know, it is <laughs> some other person would be burnt out, brother. And I feel you like oh, it is a hustle. People, it's yeah. And you, you have to maintain that physique. You have to maintain that mental stamina. It's it, 
takes time to to acquire all of that but i'm <laughs> glad you're blessed with it brother <laughs> do you have any spiritual beliefs or do you practice a specific religion well i was raised christian and i still have ties to the religion um i can't say that i've been to church recently <laughs> uh but i i do still have faith and i will always have faith and it's something that i've i feel has kind of molded me and that's kind of like my baseline for how i how i have my outlook on life other than christianity do you practice any other type of cult or any type of practice um i can't say that i actively practice any other um, any other form of religion or spirituality but i have always found myself to be very open-minded to others and their spiritual beliefs and as an individual i feel like my own personal beliefs have kind of developed or, or even changed i would say to some extent depending on like my life experience and then also the interactions that i've had with others who have other you know uh beliefs and other upbringings and other histories well question uh, and i see i asked this because i see it on your posts like some of your snakes are named after the deities of yoruba and i practice yoruba right, myself right, right. um uh, do you have any sense of practice in the religion of yoruba or the practice of yoruba um, I don't, I really would, I'd like to delve into it because it is very fascinating to me. It is something that, uh, I feel I'm drawn to, but it's, it's not something that I have actively pursued as of yet. Definitely. And the, the, there is a lot of it in the, in the reptile community and I see it and, and the practice is very, um, in the Cuban Cuban community or the uh, Portuguese community or the, the southern part of, of, of Cuba, there's a lot of belief that everything should be kept to, to secret. And, and that is the mistake that a lot of the practice make, you know, and, and oh. that's what I see in the, in the reptile community, that there, there's uh, a lot of mispractice and misuse. And there's a lot of guidance that could be made, you know. Right. Yeah. And it's a beautiful religion, brother. How? Why do you feel like you're interconnected with it, or what calls you to it? Um, I would say that I feel connected to it because it's it's something that has literally been around for you know many generations, and it has it crosses over different cultures, and it's something that it it holds its own even among some of the more mainstream religions. And, you know, I, I respect that. And I've always been drawn to things that are, you know, not necessarily the uh, vanilla <laughs> aspect of things. You know, if it's something that kind of raises an eyebrow, then I'm intrigued. If it's something yeah. that's out of the norm, then I'm drawn to it. And that's something that there's a whole lot of other aspects to it that I haven't explored and I know that I want to. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, whenever you're interested, brother, we can always have my Madrina talk to you. She, she's, uh, she was born That's in Cuba definitely. and she, uh, has some Madrinas out there in, uh, Yemaya rivers out in Yoruba in Africa. And some of those were initiated there. 
So it's like a very deep culture. Um, I wasn't born into her family, uh, but somehow since I was a child, I was connected by her. Um, my great, not my great grandfather, but my grandfather and my grandmother used to take me to a Baba Lao, which was a high priest that she was relatives to. And as I became older, I met that person and she took me back to my childhood high priest. So I, I wasn't part of this religion or anything. My grandfather right. and my grandmother were shamans from Mexico. So it was a way different cult or religion, you know, but right. somehow it's always been there and it's coming back and back. Right, and right, right. It's always staring at you in the face. And I can relate with that as well. And now you're in a space where you can actually, you know, appreciate it or like you, you, you're you noticing it more than you would when you were a child and you're able to just see it from a different perspective. Exactly, exactly. And that's where I think religion takes a different route. And so, so some would say differ and, and to everybody, you know, has a specific flavor of cake. It doesn't matter whatever makes you get to that space. But right when that bite you know you take place and you're savoring that cake you got to make sure it's your favorite flavor you know it, right right it, right it'll it will work <laughs> it will work as long as it's what you want and it's your path bro how do you combine your your physical balance with with your work life and, and your spiritual life meaning that do you have any type of practices that you do on a weekly basis where you go to a church or you convene with your spouse or you talk about something that maybe is religious it doesn't necessarily have to be a religious practice as spiritual but it could be something religious as like going to the movies or going to a specific place um let's see i'm trying to think because at this point in my life i don't have a lot of routine and there are some things that I do religiously. So I, I try to incorporate things that I can do, you know, without having any type of uh, preparation. So for example, I have a very eclectic ear and I love to listen to music. So that's how I unwind. I love to dance. I love to listen to music. And oftentimes, you know, during my daily commute, I will listen to, you know, certain songs and then just kind of, even play them on repeat. And like, if it's an instrumental uh, song, then I'll listen to a different instrument every time that I play the song. And it just kind of puts me at ease. It allows my mind to just kind of unwind and wander mm -hmm. to different places that I may not have focused on when I was you know, distracted by other things. And it's a nice way for me to just settle into the day or settle out of the day, I should say. <laughs> so it's like uh more like a method like a tranquiling method for you something that eases your day out that's your yeah. drug music yeah, yeah that, that would be that would be my drug of choice <laughs> <laughs> that's beautiful that's that's sick though what is your morning routine as a breeder slash keeper slash handler you know everything that um, you are well, definitely, first thing that I would do, if, if I'm not going to be on set, you know, bright and early, then I'm going to check on the animals. I want to make sure that they're all taken care of, that, you know, they have fresh water, that everyone is, you know, just cared for. And I, I show them the attention that they, that they deserve. So oftentimes I'll you know, take a moment with a couple of different animals that maybe have not 
been out of their enclosures for a period of time and I'll just sit with them. And, you know, I like to get to know each individual snake's quirks, like their tolerance levels. Um, like some of them that uh, maybe have changed over the course of the past shed cycle, like especially two reticulated pythons that I have in particular, they're uh, cowrie ticks. And I'm sure you're, you're familiar with that, uh, that morph. No. So you said cow or power? Cow, C-O-W. Yeah, yeah cow. So cowrie yeah. ticks, as, as they age, they develop spots. So every time they shed, they develop more spots. And hello. Uh, it's not dark. Well, uh, my fiance just walked in and so did <laughs> So that's Hello, not guy. Hello. Um, but yeah, so uh, that, that particular genetic morph, like the cow, retic, they develop spots as they age. So it's nice to see, you know, as they grow, how many more spots they have. And like there's a couple, there's one of them that has like a, a large birthmark. And it's interesting to see how it like changes shape even. Because it was just originally just a, a strange blob, but now it's kind of forming in like the shape of a taco or something. It's it's, it's interesting. Question: So, do, do you see any attitude change in that specific morph? Like I I've heard, I've heard where they become a little bit moody, kind of like some lizards, where they develop that attitude. But I've never kept so. I don't know. Yeah, I haven't noticed any 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 difference in uh, in mood with, for that genetic morph. But then also. Another morph that people tend to uh, steer clear of because they're known for being aggressive or defensive is the pied. And I mean, pieds mm -hmm. are some of my favorite uh, favorite morphs. So, you know, I've, I've you got can see how placid they are. Yeah. How many do you currently own? Uh, let's see. For pied retics, I currently own. Let's see, two, four, seven. <laughs> Holy shit, my man. Yeah. And are yeah, you breeding any of those? Pardon? Are you breeding any of those pines? So one of the pied females is gravid. I'll actually go into the other reptile room so you can see. Let's see here. I don't know if I can turn the camera around on a on a podcast, can I? Probably not. I don't yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> All right, well then behind me here, try and get out of the glare. Let me see if I can find her face. Can you see her at all? Yeah, I think really? I can see the face. Sorta. Of. Okay, let me open this up. She's yeah, I can see her face. There oh, there she's, she's coming. <laughs> yeah, so that is Mona Lisa. She's she's gravid. Yeah, so she's gravid. I'm expecting her to drop her clutch in the next probably four to five days. Jeez, look at the thickness. <laughs> and she's a big girl. She's about sixteen feet. Holy shit! What what size a uh, vision cage you have there? So that's the six thirty two that she's in currently. Mm. Yep. So then we got her. And then, uh, let's see, this one here is a Motley Golden that's het for pied. Oh, shit. And then this girl who's just finished eating. Let's see, I don't know if you can see her very well. That's another pied, and she's got a little rabbit in her. <laughs> Damn, she's pretty. Yeah, that's definitely one of the prettiest ones that I've got. 
Then we've got another pied here. Turn that around. Damn. Yeah, there we go. So that's another one of the pies. And we've got that girl who just shed. Holy shit. Look at that white contrast, bro. Yeah. Very strong contrast on that one. So that's a motley pie. Mm. And then let's see. That's what? Four out of the seven pies I've got. <laughs> quite a few. Damn. You got and a then quite a few. Ball python side of things, I've got 14 pied ball pythons. Holy shit. Yeah. So, like, basically everything on this rack on this side is a pied. <laughs> God damn, boy. Yeah. Yeah. So, a lot. That lots is of a lot, bro. Let's see. Let me find. Uh, trying to think who I want to show. <laughs> do you have any finicky eaters when it comes to ball pythons? Yes. Yes, I do. Um, I've had more than my fair share. Well, I can't say more than my fair share, but I've definitely had my fair share of some picky eaters when it comes to ball pythons. Um, I've tried, you know, switching them over from rats to mice to, you know, African softers. Uh, I've tried a couple of different things, and oftentimes you just have to wait it out because when they get hungry enough, they will eat. Yeah. It's just, it's just never when you want it. <laughs> it's always at the last moment when they want it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then if it happens to be, you know, the wrong temperature or the wrong size, or you're approaching a little bit too wet. No, I don't want it. I don't want it. I changed my mind. <laughs> so, uh, previous to, to breeding reptiles, brother, and, and handling or, or becoming a handler, when was the point where you thought it was a catalyst where you switched on to your previous or your next career, which would be what you describe as the Hollywood Live right now? Or do you consider yourself an entrepreneur or is it just something um, that you consecutively do with Hollywood? I, I do consider myself to be an entrepreneur. Um, I've definitely got my hand in a lot of different pots when it comes to uh, careers <laughs> That's a good and, thing. That's and a employment. Good um, so prior to me, professionally working with animals i work in hospitality so i used to work for the hilton corporation and i worked in hotels for i think six or seven years um and in addition to that i was already working in athletics as well so i've been coaching high school track and cross country and i was training private clients for some years as well uh, but it wasn't until I think it was 20, either 2016 or 2017 was when I started working in entertainment. Yeah. And how did entertainment come to be here? Like, what was the story about that? Say it again? What was the story of entertainment? How did you become part of entertainment? Oh, um, or the entertainment <laughs> Well, there's, there's two different stories that go, uh, that, that kind of follow the same path. So when it comes to being in entertainment uh, in front of the camera, I had kind of dabbled with a couple of, excuse me, I had kind of dabbled with a couple of uh, smaller productions when I was in college. 
but it was never something that I actively pursued. And then when I moved back to LA after college, I just kind of figured I'd try it again and I'd dabble with it. Um, so a friend of mine who was also an athlete like I was, he was booking commercials for like Nike and Under Armour and Adidas and all that stuff. I'm like, how are you doing this? He's like, oh, well, you know, I, I, I act now. You know, I'm, and I'm not just an athlete. I also am an actor because they oftentimes for fitness commercials and things like that, they want real, you know, pe people who can do those things without having to be trained for it. You know, they're not going to hire an actor and then have somebody train them how to do it. They want somebody who just knows how to do it naturally. So in that space, I ended up uh, like following in his footsteps because we ended up booking a commercial together. My first commercial that I ever booked was a Nike commercial and they booked me as oh, a triathlete. Sure. And that was, I think that was uh, a year, a year and some change before I qualified for uh, world championships for ITU, which is International Triathlon Union. So this was when I was still actively competing and like I, I booked the commercial and from there I was hooked. So I wanted to continue on in entertainment. I wanted to, to kind, of, kind of build myself up as an actor or at least as a, as a fitness actor in that sense, because I, it was kind of like getting paid to work out. So it was just, it developed on itself at that point. It, it did, it did. I mean, I kind of just fell into it. Um, excuse me one moment, I got a bit of news. Oh boy. Yeah, here, here's the interesting thing. I have six dogs, but I'm allergic to them. <laughs> you don't get the shots? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> but um but yeah, so then working uh, as, as an actor, I kind of wanted to figure out how things work behind the scenes as well. So after kind of developing a network of people or and just kind of learning how the business worked, I started working as a production assistant for music videos. And within that realm, that was how I ended up uh, connecting with people who I, I found like an art department or, you know, creative directors and, things, and people like that who were looking for animals for shoots. And I'm like, oh, that's perfect. I can like tie these two together, figure out how I can get my animals on set. Because during this time, I had always had reptiles. Because I've, mm -hmm. I've been keeping reptiles for most of my life. Yeah, now you use uh, your cat, uh, your bang you have a Bengal cat yeah, as well, Yeah, my Bengal right? cat, he is, he's been in a movie which will be coming out at the end of this year. It's called Darkness of Man. And the main uh, main actor in that is Jean-Claude Van Damme. That's and then um, the Frenchie, the, the, the dog that just popped into the, the, the podcast earlier, She's been in a couple of YouTube videos with some, uh, like a couple of viral videos. Um, my Corgi, he's been in a commercial and a photo shoot for like a, a, a drink, like a kombucha drink. <laughs> um, the snakes, I mean, I'm, as, as you know, they've been in numerous music videos, commercials, photo shoots, all that stuff. The chameleons, like a couple of the ones behind me, they've been in a bunch of productions as well. So, you know, nice. everybody in this house works. <laughs> nobody lives rent-free in that house, for sure. No, no, nobody lives <laughs> rent-free. 
Why did you choose reptiles or animals? Like, what was the point in your life, or did you always keep them as a child? Oh, I've always loved reptiles. So I was a even as a toddler. So for as long as I can remember, <laughs> I've been fascinated by reptiles. And growing up, I would be catching lizards in the backyard, and I would be watching Animal Planet and Discovery Channel, and I was always fascinated. Like any time I could get my hands on a book that had to do with reptiles, I would just read it cover to cover and absorb it like a sponge. So it was something that you were keen of that just came with you at that point. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely been a lifelong passion and fascination that I've had. That's good, brother. Well, as long as it's a passion, you know, you, you know, you never get tired of passions. And like, like you say, most of the times in your posts, a lot of people can try to mimic you, but it takes a lot of courage to actually do it again and again and again and again. <laughs> Because the first well, times you get beat up, you get beat up the first couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. I mean, it, it is flattering, though. I mean, imitation is, is a form of flattery. So I mean, it's, it's nice. It's nice to see. But <laughs> at the same time, you know, you may have the ingredients, but the sauce may not taste the same. You know, it, it takes time to build the flavor. It takes time. Yes, yes, yes it does. Yes, it does. And I mean, different people have different approaches. Different people have different personalities. And, you know, I consider myself to be more like hands-on and involved when it comes to this type of thing. Like I'm a very extroverted person. I'm, you're going to know my personality and you're gonna see it from the, from the jump. Like as soon as I walk in, walk in on set, you're gonna know that I'm there and you're gonna know who I am and how I am. And, you know, I'm proud of it. Yep. Yeah, because if you don't have that 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 type of enthusiasm, then there's no sense of energy, and we all run on energy. You know, if somebody wants to come into a building and feel happy and, and, and see that reciprocated throughout the entire building, it's like the whole vibe thing, you know. Yeah. As a child, bro, what was your your aspiration? What did Claudius want to become? Did you want to be an astronaut? Um, <laughs> Interestingly enough, it had nothing to do with reptiles. So <laughs> growing up, I always said that I wanted to become an obstetrician. The hell is so, that? So that uh, an obstetrician is basically the, the, the doctor that delivers babies. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So like I've always loved children and babies and like the beginning of life and when i was in middle school i actually did a research project on <laughs> gynecology so like i shadowed an obstetrician like i watched uh like a woman give birth like there's there so many things like i I, it, I was fascinated by this and just life in general has always been something that i've been drawn to uh but that was not necessarily the career path that i followed, nor was it something that I decided that I wanted to pursue once I got to college either. Um, uh, at, at one point, I thought I was going to pursue veterinary medicine. But for me personally, when I volunteered at a vet clinic, it wasn't an enjoyable experience. I mean, I was around sick people, I mean, sick animals and sad people. So, you know, it's not a very positive environment, you know. Mm -hmm. So... You know, I've just kind of made a career for myself in my own niche. And it I'm takes a lot of courage to wake up at 12 o'clock in the morning to deliver a baby. 
That takes a lot of guts. I I, I love my sleep. I love my sleep because it's only four hours, but I need it. <laughs> yeah. And since a child, you always thought that like I'm, I want to be an OBGYN. Like that's that's what I'm gonna do. <laughs> so the, there's a story behind it though. So when I was a toddler, I was going through my grandfather's old medical book. So my, my grandfather, he was actually one of the first African-American surgeons in the state of California. And really? I'm, I'm his mistake, actually. We, uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, in my family, it was kind of th thought that, okay, well, Claudius is going to follow in his grandfather's footsteps, you know? He's going to be a doctor. Uh, so yeah. from a very, very early age, I was kind of being groomed to follow in his footsteps. Like I uh, went to the National Medical Association conventions every summer as a, as a kid. Um, I shadowed doctors. Uh, I did mock surgeries on cadavers. Like I, I definitely had an in-depth <laughs> in uh, uh, upbringing when it comes to practicing medicine. See, that's something that I wanted to get into. And, and during, during the time that I was attempting to become part of the military, uh, my MOS was going to be mortuary affairs. So it's like embalming of the bodies. Yeah. I was always attracted about like dead bodies. Like I always liked the look or I don't know. It was just something that was mysterious, you know? Right, right, right. And it's something that's taboo because, I mean, our, a lot of. A lot of cultures and a lot of you know a lot of our society is like oh, okay well once you're dead it's like okay we're gonna keep this under wraps this is like behind closed doors hush hush and I think that's something that we we share like you and I both are kind of drawn to the things like why why are you not talking about it why is it behind closed doors exactly I remember my dad working at University Medical Center and he worked downstairs in the morgue and I remember seeing the pulsations of the cases breathing out. And you just uh, see all the bodies just come out in cold air. It just yeah. looked like a movie scene, but it didn't scare me or anything. It was just interesting to see the bodies yeah. just like come out. <laughs> and then that smell of formaldehyde. <laughs> it's not like a stench, but it's like a sulfur stench. Like, yeah, yeah, it's, very it's definitely an acquired scent. There are a lot of people who are disgusted yeah. by it, but I mean, it's, it's never bothered me. Yeah, it's almost like when you open like the rotten sewer. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, what what else would you expect? I mean, it's a decomposing body. My <laughs> <laughs> bodies are are a trip, especially when it's like loved ones. That's something that I could never understand in the military. Like, how can you pick up your buddy, you know, from the ground? I didn't personally go to the military, bit, but I feel pain for those who did. Uh, <laughs> well, hey, it, it made you who you are today. You know, without without those experiences in your life, you wouldn't have the same perspective you have. That's true. But like I said, I didn't go to the military, but I feel sorry for the people who did. And I'm all rolling here on the podcast, brother. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're good. No judgment on my part. <laughs> do you smoke, brother? Or do you partake in any drugs or anything? Uh, so yeah, I don't. I don't smoke. I have definitely tried. I mean, I, I, it's weird to say that I tried to smoke, but uh, like in my experience with marijuana, I've never really felt drawn to it. 
um, I usually end up feeling paranoid and out of place. So, you know, I, I'd rather not. I'd rather not. So, like, my, my, <laughs> my lifestyle has never really been conducive to me smoking marijuana. And what about any psychedelics? Like when you go to Coachella or do something special, do you have you? Oh, I've never been to Coachella. I'd like to. Never been to Coachella. I've never, I've never been. My brother, on the other hand, he's been twice. Oh shit! (laughs) He's living both your lives. Well, you got to take Nurse Perry with you next time you go. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So, um, let's see. What what was the question? I'm trying to trying to remember. I dipped off on something else. What did I say? I, I don't know, man. Your aspiration, your motivations, superstitions. I don't know, brother. I, I if you, can you remember the past past thing that we we're talking about? <laughs> um, let's see. Let's just jump into something. Pick a question. No, no harm in skipping around. We don't have to keep uh keep track. Do you have a superstition, brother, or any type of thing that you do, like maybe jiggle your hand before you walk out the door or something special that you do or wear some special underwear? Um, not usually. Uh, I've definitely, like, if I think about it, it's like, okay, well, if I, if I want to try and make some money, maybe I'll wear some green underwear. I don't know, but it's not something that I do consistently. Um, prior to racing like when i was uh competing there were like certain visualizations that i would do prior to a race just to kind of get my mind set and situated but now i think more so stream of consciousness is something that i just i just let my mind flow where it goes and then when it when it picks a topic i'll delve and go down the rabbit hole with it but there's not necessarily anything that I can say that is like a superstition or uh, like a, something that I always do. Like I, I just kind of, I, I, I kind of shoot in the dark with it. I, I'll just like throw out the line and reel in what I can. <laughs> That's a good theory. You know, it's yeah. when you release and you let go. Because when you start yeah. pulling on that rail, you're never going to catch that fish. Who do you consider an idol or a motivational sense in your life, brother? Like somebody who maybe it's not a person, maybe it's an animal, maybe it's a mentor or somebody who passed away, but something that might be of motivation in a living sense. Um, well, I can definitely say my father. Most of 100%. My father is someone who I admire, who I aspire to be like, who like I'm proud to be able to say that I am his son (laughs) and like just the way that I was brought up and the way that he's raised me and certain things that he's taught me and even now like if if I call him up today I can you know just leave the conversation with different words of wisdom and a more positive outlook on things because like I I definitely seek his counsel so my father would be my number one person for that. Uh, condolences, brother. So, so he has passed already, you're saying? Pardon? No, no, no. My father is alive. 
Oh, okay. I, I misconceived. <laughs> mis- <laughs> I that info. I just go back a couple sentences there. <laughs> back check that. Back check that. <laughs> back it up. <laughs> Yeah, so like that's somebody who uh, who I admire a lot. I could see that relationship with a father figure as my grandfather. Um, I, I didn't have a father pretty much growing up. He was always working, and my mother was out of the picture too. So it was only grandparents raising me, um, sort of, I guess. <laughs> Misconceptions of growth, right? Um, but it was it was a good development. Uh, they were my stronghold, and and I thank them for all of the tactics and their knowledge. So not a, a lot of knowledge, you know, for an eighty-year-old person to yeah, just pass on to some stupid kid. <laughs> to just pass on to a stupid kid. <laughs> well, you know what? I mean, you take it all in, you use what you can, and you save the rest for later. That's true. Yeah, because you can't eat the entire pie at once. Right. Right. <laughs> Bro, do you believe in any type of connection spiritually between energies? It could be spiritual. It could be some type of ghost theory that you might have. Or it could even be just like a person that you love. And you know that you have that intimate connection. Do you believe in some type of energy that is is there and present? Hmm. I would say yes, and in more ways than one. How is that? Energy goes where it flows, and then if we are mindful of where we are putting our energy, certain things will stand out. So if there's something something or someone that catches our attention, it's not on accident. And when there are certain things that seem to really intrigue us and draw us in, we shouldn't ignore it. And I feel like I've recently, even more so recently, I've been trying to pay attention to that because a lot of times we block our blessings. We ignore certain things because it, it maybe it just doesn't seem like it's quite right or overthinking it. And it's just like out of, out of the blue or whatever. It's like, no, this couldn't be right. This couldn't be it. But it's important to really allow things to flow instead of being forced. So with energy, spirituality, like other aspects in life, like you just need to flow with it. So do and you believe that there is that that energy or that sense there? Yes, it's yes, most so definitely, true. most definitely. Have you had it with any person that might be of a relationship, maybe your wife or a special friend? where it became something that it was like a second or a sixth sense that you guys were developing. Maybe it was some type of intuitional thought or you guys read each other's mind before saying anything. Have you had that happen in the past? Yes. And I feel like that, that really comes with developing relationships with people. Cause once mm-hmm. you are able to let down your wall and like, you know, let your guard down and be truly, your your authentic self with that person i feel like that is when you're able to align with each other and it doesn't necessarily need to be someone who is you know a uh a significant other or you know, that you're in a relationship with be able to have that it could, be a stranger, it could be a stranger on the street you know who yeah, just smiled like at you like, 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 
like have that just if you make eye contact with somebody more than once there's a reason for it mm -hmm. like that's something that i that i've kind of lived by if you make eye contact with somebody more than once there's a reason for it and i tend to be the extroverted person who's going to go out and introduce myself i will walk up to you and say hi my name is claudius you know like i i want to find out why even if it were just in that surface level why why did we look at each other you know there, there was no real reason for us to to make eye contact it was just a sense and i find myself as well like just staring off in the room like either when we're presenting or doing something out in the public and you just find yourself drawn to these energies and it's just a, like it's a connection of energies where it's something right. that's at your level you know it's something that there is levels to these energies and it's not like to be segregating certain levels to levels but it, it does happen to be that way that certain people have a level of frequency you know mm -hmm. you bang the bell and it does, it's going to mimic the bell if it has the same frequency but if it's on a different level it's not going to match the same sound right very relevant very relevant <laughs> brother what do you consider um in in spirituality that has been your tactic on a daily or something that you use other than uh, a religion maybe it could be something that you're attracted to with like buddhism or some open-minded type of path where it's just something that you see and it's like you're attracted to it like i want to buy that on the corner because it, it has an idol of it is there any type of path that you've taken or any type of maybe ritualistic forms not currently, no. I can't say that there is. Not currently. And have you had any type of spiritual connections with animals? Um, I feel that I have, but I wouldn't really know how to describe it. Um, because when I'm when I'm around certain animals, it's almost like I. It's not chills, but it's it's really like I said, it's just difficult to describe. Um, it's a sense of fulfillment, but also calm. I'm really not sure how to put it into words, but I guess it's it's a it's a really good feeling. That's all I can say. <laughs> it's like, like a sense of serenity. Yes, right? it is serenity. Yes, yes, that's the perfect word. That's insane. And, and do you feel that with any specific like species of animal, or it's just oh, all animal creatures? Definitely with the snakes. <laughs> yeah. More so than any others, definitely the snakes. They're very spiritual. I, I, if you look at them, they're very inquisitive animals. Yes. I mean, and it's interesting to sit and watch them and see how they how they live and how they interact because I'm I'm always curious to know like what are they thinking. What what is their thought process as they go through life, as they you know, interact and just do, as as as, as they be, <laughs> just as they be, <laughs> as a being. And that's per se like it goes back to spirituality. Like it, maybe it's that we're we're given that consciousness, being you know, to have that 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 ability to actually pursue consciousness rather than being on a reptile mind or a primal state of being, because. Right. It, that would be my perception of looking of nature, but maybe they are looking at it at life at a higher intelligence that we are. You know, it's right, just, and it's something that we just aren't aware of, something that we don't understand. Yeah. 
that's that's insane to think of and you're just like maybe this person or this snake is just stalking me and they're from another planet <laughs> alien man <laughs> what do you think your spirit animal is ah i thought about that before we got on this podcast and it's, it's interesting because I feel like as I have grown and developed into my myself, my spirit animal has changed. So growing up, I always thought that my spirit animal was an elephant. And now I'm not so sure. Now I'm, I'm feeling like I'm drawn to multiple different species of animals. And... You know, um, I guess I could say like a, a chameleon because I mean I'm drawn to different things, but um, it's it's really interesting to see how that has changed and developed. You know, from my childhood into adulthood, because now I don't necessarily have a set species that I would consider to be my spirit animal. So it might be like a mystical creature. Maybe you're just like some crazy ass Ooh. griffin with like a <laughs> reptile tail and like a lion's head. <laughs> hey, you never know. It could be something that, you know, it hasn't been discovered. The dragon, brother. I, I believe dragons existed to a sense. Maybe not in the way that we portray them in the media, but definitely there's something that was that would resemble them in nature. But to breathe fire, I mean, that would be high fetch, but it, it would be insane. That would well, be I mean, insane. you know, we're, we're, we're reaching the age where we get heartburn. We're starting to breathe fire. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. That's for sure. That, you eat that chorizo, man, and they'll get you. What is your favorite that. animal, man? What happened, brother? Oh, I said too much hot sauce, but uh, yeah. Too much hot sauce, uh, yeah. Let's see, my favorite animal, I'd say that I have two. You know, I'm, uh, I'm definitely partial to reticulated pythons and green anacondas. Those are my top two. Man. Look at that. There it is. There it is. <laughs> It's a dream animal, man, but I, I, I made my promise. I said I'm not going to get an anaconda until I have enough space outside, you know, a 12 by 12 by 12 where I can set it okay. in nice and close. Okay. Some animals, it's just like I, I want a token for them. I, I owe Bob as well some for, for that a patternless, a patternless uh, uh, rock python. I haven't gotten it yeah, yet. African rock. I, still, I still have them. Yeah. I still have it on a payment plan. Been on it for like about nine months, man. It's insane. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, he he knows, man. He knows. It's best not to get an animal when you don't have the space, you know. Right. Very very true. I mean, I, I'm grateful that I'm able to dedicate two bedrooms to the animals. <laughs> exactly. 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 And, and that's what I'm saying. Like, if I can get an animal started. You know, to to a certain degree where it, it's good for four years, I'm good. But I'm not going to get an animal and buy an enclosure two years later, another one. 
another two years right. later, another one. Right, right. I'd rather right, have right, it right. set. For some of them, like even the ones I have outside, I'm always remodeling them because I just it's that ADHD that I have in me. <laughs> and it's and it is something that is fulfilling. Like if we are able to give them a better environment, it's it makes us feel better about it, you know. Yeah, man. I love my vision cages. I regret selling a lot of them, but my vision cages come in clutch. The humidity yeah. gets it's just right. Everything is just perfect. Overcapping of lights. It's it's insane the yep. quality that they made them to. They're almost like bulletproof. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <coughs> Why do you like the reticulated python, or what is it that draws to you in that animal? Like, what is the specific retake? Like, I see you uh, a lot. Like, even that pose from the snake father with the chair, that's a retake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. Um, retakes, they're just. They're just, uh, I, <laughs> I like big snakes, number one. I like very <laughs> genetics, that's number two. Um, they're very active. Um, a lot of them are really misunderstood. Like, you're not going to see a lot of people going around with retics for, like, in what I do. You're not going to see a lot of retics for photo shoots and music videos and stuff like that. You're going to see people with balls and berms. So I want to kind of go outside of the box with that and introduce people to a species that they wouldn't normally interact with. Do you work with dwarfs or are you just specifically working with maidens? Um, well, I have a couple of dwarfs in my collection. Uh, but I, I prefer the big ones, man. You know, like, uh, there's nothing like having a 150 pounds. <laughs> Man, you know, as soon as you pull it out, you know, you, you have smaller snakes and then you see the public coming through and you're pulling out that big one and then just it just herds towards you. It's a crowd stopper. It's a showstopper. It's a crowd stopper. Everybody just sees it and it's just like, oh, look at that snake. And, they, yeah, and, and like, they've never touched a snake. Yeah, it's not real to them. And like, it, it, it becomes a an like that and think, wow, how is there, how is it possible that something could be that size? And I mean, I, I feel the same way when I see something like an elephant or a giraffe or something like that. You know, when you see these large, imposing creatures that have so much presence, you have to respect it. They command your respect. And you almost feel humbled to a sense where it's it, like it, it humbles humbling. you. It is very, very humbling, yes. Feel, feeling the vibration. Have you ever felt the, the vibration of a rhino? I have not. So here at the, uh, at the uh, Reed Park Zoo in Tucson, when I was a child, they had an encounter where you could go up to the belly of the rhino and put your head against it. You can hear the vibration of the rhino. Wow, bro, that was like insane experience. Like almost like a like a reverberation inside of you. Like it was part of you. Like wow. it felt like a sink. <laughs> it, it's it's insane to think that animals can have such connection with us just by like one breath. You know, it's right. it's almost like some shit on Avatar. But it, it, it's it's insane. <laughs> if you can recommend one piece of advice in your business area, whether if it be for breeding, breeding or keeping, bro, or maybe in the the Hollywood business as well, what would be one piece of advice to any entrepreneur out there? Um, let's see. 
piece of advice, definitely start small because you don't want to try to bite off more than you can chew and get overwhelmed and then lose sight of why you got into it. Because a lot of people, excuse me, one second. No problem. A lot of people will lose sight of what their their passion was initially getting into reptiles when they're chasing something like they're either chasing a dollar or chasing fame or chasing followers or chasing whatever. Like you want to really stay true to your passion, stay true to what it was that got you interested in these animals in the first place. I feel you there <clears throat> and to the point where it's like it happens in our own lives. You know, it's a it's a reflection of what, what goes on into all of like the reptile community. A lot of us go into that depth where we're all we be eventually become hoarders because a lot of us like to see the new animals on morph yeah, market and yeah, we fall yeah. victim to it, you know, and <laughs> we end up buying more than we can chew. Um, but it comes to the sense where you have to make the sacrifice and say, I have to, you know, reduce my collection. Or I have yep. to breed what I really want to breed instead of just buying it because I, it's the latest thing or it's something right. that just got my right, eye right. at that point. Like I did it myself with some of the monitors that I had at the beginning, like Niles. Like, why the hell would I get Niles? Well, because I like the color. That's why I got it. And I kept them. You know, it was something that I loved. It was because it was a development within me. Like I, I, I picked these animals because I liked them. I didn't pick them because of the value. I didn't pick them because they were popular in morph market or anything. It was more because right. of what I liked. And right. when, once I started putting it into the business and I saw that people like ball pythons, immediately I said, I was like, no, I'm not buying any ball pythons. I'm not breeding them. I'm not doing anything with ball pythons because I'm the, I'm the rebel. I always go against the grain. I don't right. like to have what other people like. And it's unfortunate because it, 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 I can see the hustle and I can see the, the, uh, the amount of growth that you can get with ball pythons. But um, I still sell them, you know, but I meant I end up flipping them instead of breeding them and actually right. making my own money. But it's like um, I can see the amount of growth that ball python breeders can have real quick. You know, it, for anybody who sets two to three years of effort with ball pythons, I believe can make it, you know, and I, I right. believe you can reflect with that as well. I agree. Um, like it's interesting thing is i didn't even try to start breeding ball pythons until COVID. so i was really? one of those guys who was like oh i'm never gonna do it never don't want ball pythons have no desire blah 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 and then of course you know when you have too much time on your hands <laughs> you get into 17 tides <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> and do you Sell them buy to sell, or is those, those are just your breeders of your own collection? Um, interestingly enough, most of the animals or most of the snakes that I have in my collection are not breeders, they're ones that I uh, have in my excuse me, in my uh, my cycle of uh, snakes that I bring out for, for rentals. Oh, okay. So, a lot of the animals, unless it's a special request. A lot of the animals get cycled through so that way they have time to rest and recover and not be stressed or anything like that. Because I'm not here to exploit my animals. I want to make sure that, you know, if they aren't comfortable or 
happy or comfortable in any type of situation that they will not be in it. Absolutely. And I don't want to overwhelm any of my animals in any way, shape or form. So, you know, if I have a, like, like today, I had two shoots today and between those two shoots, three different snakes were used. It wasn't just one snake for both shoots. And when you do those shoots, brother, like this is a good question to ask, actually, because I myself might fall victim to it where I might use them maybe through three or four times a week. It might be the same animal. Um, what would you recommend as a cycle for per animal? Like how many events or how many hours would you cycle an animal? It varies depending on the snake. So each individual snake has its own different tolerance level. And, you know, there's some that might be more tolerant than others. So if I'm going to take something out, I, number one, it's already got a base level of tolerance that's higher than your average pet snake, you know. Absolutely. It's going, yeah. be, it's going to be more comfortable with being transferred. It's going to be more comfortable with, you know, lights and sound and touch and all kinds of things that they would need to be desensitized to, essentially. So if I'm going to bring a particular snake out and I know that it's going to be very stimulating, I want to make sure that I bring out a snake that is comfortable being out for an hour or two. You know, uh, if not, then I know that I'm going to need to bring out multiple so that way I can cycle through them every 20 to 30 minutes. So that way that they're not uh, exposed to any, you know, any extreme temperature or any... Uh, I'm trying to think of how how to word this. Well, just just so they're not overly stressed. Yeah, you know? and see, and that's what I do with with the girls that I take. I take two retakes. I take the purple. I take the Burmese and and the Atlas, the the dwarf. Um, yeah. But we take them out once a month, so it, it wouldn't be much stress for them, you know. If we do end up having shoots throughout the week, then that would be a week that might be a double or a triple. Um, right. But other than that, I mean. They're only being taken out once a month. If they are in shed, then there's no point of taking them out. You know, they either have to reschedule or something else. But yeah, man, our animals are always first. <laughs> exactly. Because <laughs> anybody that is on, you know, going into shed or just ate or is about to, you know, come finish digesting their meal, they're not going to do anything anyway. I'm not going to mm -hmm. have to leave the house. Um, but. Even if they're not working, I do still take my snakes out periodically. Uh, I mean, if I'm cleaning the enclosure, like doing a deep cleaning with the larger snakes, they're going to be in the bathroom in the shower. Like I've got the water running on them. They're going to be able to soak. They're going to be able to, you know, climb up the up to the windowsill in the bathroom if they want to. Like they're able to have other forms of, you know, enrichment and stimulation yep. versus them just being in their enclosure all the time. Because I'm not one that feels that they need to just be kept enclosed at all times. Uh, if they want to, because I definitely have one snake in particular that does not, not like to be out of its enclosure. And this is my largest snake. You know, <laughs> she, She's in her enclosure 99% of the time unless I'm just cleaning it out. And it is a hassle trying to get her out of the enclosure. So she'll grip <laughs> corners, like all four corners of her vision enclosure with her body. So that way she won't let me pull her out. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, okay, well, obviously you don't want to be out of here. 
You are comfortable in your cave, in your safe space. Yeah, but you always have to tailor to the snake. Say again? You always have to tailor to the snake. Uh, exactly, exactly. And like I have other snakes where if I open up the you know the sliding glass front, they're oh, where, where are we going? What are we doing? You know, I'm ready to get out of here. <laughs> the ones that bust your glass, I've seen your stories before, man. And yeah, busted yeah, glass. Yeah, that, that one. <laughs> so that's Yamaya. That that was that's uh my Phantom Golden. That's the one that that has a clutch in the incubator right now. Damn. Yeah, she was my troublemaker last year. <laughs> The amount of stress that they would have to put in that, you know, it's insane. Oh, yeah, that's so much body force. But, like, the thing is, these panes of glass are not that thick. And when you're dealing with a 100-pound snake, if it puts all of its weight in one little spot, yep, you expect something happen. to give. Yep. Did you put in thicker glass or did you just kept with the same? Right now, she still has uh, her broken glasses. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, man. Those things the... come in in like four months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it actually just came in uh, recently. Uh, since <laughs> clutch, the, the new pane of glass came in. <laughs> but I didn't want to replace the glass until after she had laid because I'm like, okay, well, the last time you had this issue, you were gravid. Let me not swap swap out the glass before you play. Like another broken piece of glass. Yep, it's it's a redundant at that point. Yeah, bro. What's the fa your favorite animal in your collection that you keep? Um. Yet again, there's two. <laughs> and that, and that, that's me limiting it like heavy, heavy, heavy because I've got multiple favorites. <laughs> um so one of my favorites let's see if i can get him out here he might be a little hungry so we'll see if he'll let me pull him out uh, there we go hey, the so this is popeye my green anaconda so he's definitely one of my favorites, if not my favorite, when it comes to yeah. animals that I've got in my collection. And it's great having a hand-tame anaconda. <laughs> That's a beauty, brother. That's a beautiful anaconda. So he yeah, man, you don't really get hand-tame anacondas that easily. Did you get him as a baby? I did. Yeah. Yeah, I've had How long him, have you had him? I've had him since December of 2020, I believe, is when I got him. So yeah, he's, uh, or it was 2019. Put on some weight. It was either 2020 or 2019. I don't recall. I have to double check the records. But he's three years old. He's going, uh, at least three years old. <laughs> he's got some weight on him. Yeah. Yeah. He's got some size. Damn, that's a beautiful snake, man. Thank you. Yeah, he's one that actually has not been in any productions as of yet. You're you're not comfortable yet, or um, it's not that I'm not comfortable. It's more so that I kind of want to just have him for special occasions. And he's my baby. Had... <laughs> yeah, he's my baby. <laughs> I haven't had a, a request that seemed quite 
special enough to bring him out to showcase him yet. But probably uh, when I do a, a photo shoot of my own, then I'll probably bring him out for that. Well, see, uh, Adriana, the the girl that had told you about that wants to do the event out there in California, in L.A. Uh, uh -huh. They're gonna, they're not gonna do it at a Cobra. They're doing it at an actual like studio. So, okay. if you want, man, you can take him there. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Uh, brother what would be your favorite genre of music favorite genre of music definitely r&b specifically 90s r&b like i live okay. my life to a 90s r&b soundtrack i hear you there 90s r&b and uh, <laughs> oldies but goodies and yep, all the yep. uh doo-wop and old scratches Man, my, my grandfather or my grandfather, my stepfather grew up on uh, Elvis Presley, the Beatles. And okay, okay. All that old stuff. But they were very prominent in the 60s and the 70s to play at a band um, out in Wisconsin and Utah. They would play under a doo-wop band. And yeah. it was just vocal. It wasn't no instrumental. And I was just like doo-wop. Wow. Like old school. And the reason that he went into the military was because he was singing doo-wop on a street when he was a child. So it was frowned upon, you know, for him to, to being out on the streets, singing out his soul. Uh, so it was, it was the worst thing to do back in the 60s. So he had to go into the military. Wow. <laughs> it's, 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 it's funny to hear the stories now, you know, because it's right. like before. Right. Different, different, be upon. different time. Now we wish our children would be out singing their soul out. Right. <laughs> Brother, those were the last of our questions today. It's been a pleasure, man, to have this conversation with you. Do you have any questions for us tonight? Um, let's see. What would you say is... The, the reason why you got into reptiles like what what drew you into it what threw me into it yeah so as a child um there was this uh exhibit in mexico city chapultepec city and i recall seeing this this exhibit it was for vipers and rhinoceros iguanas and like cyclora okay. and my grandfather my great-grandfather took me because my great-grandmother had died at the time and that's why we were in mexico and Chapultepec is like the size of Disneyland. And it's not only just animal exhibits. It's like other resorts and stuff. Right. But for the entire day, he stayed there with me because I wanted to be in inside of that Viper room. Wow. So since I was a child, I, I, I love the, the, the look, the sheen of reptiles. But when I truly got into them was because I was falling into to almost like a hole of depression. Uh, my father died when he was, I was 16. My mother left me when I was seven years old. So I had a really hard life when I started out, you know, as a child. Um, but I found love with, with, with animals, not just reptiles, but other animals. Uh, I was working with my grandfather at the time uh, doing wrought iron. And we would build doors, security doors for people. And, and I was just a 12-year-old kid, you know, rolling around with my grandfather. And people would give me animals. And goats, sheep, all types of fauna. 
And right. it was just a gift of gesture because I was helping my grandfather out. They didn't charge me for them. It was just a gift. And I would wow. take them home and I would have different types of fauna inside of a complex home in the middle of the city. <laughs> it was uh, it was a fun experience with my grandparents, you know, but it was uh, very humbling as well to, to see a lot of chaos as a child. But yeah, the animals were my choice because of therapy, I would say. They, they took right. me out of a dark place in my life. I, I can definitely relate to that as well. So I I appreciate sharing that. No, no, thank you, brother. Thank you for hopping on. It was a pleasure having you on. Uh, hopefully we can get Wifey on next time. We can do a, a double podcast. Well, let me, see, let me see where she is. Maybe she can say hello. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Oh, come on over, say hello. <laughs> I love the chemistry you guys have, man. It's a beautiful symphony to see you guys together. Thank you. She's coming slowly but surely. <laughs> I, I think I need her coming up there. <coughs> Here she comes. Miss America. <laughs> yep, here she is. I'll let, I'll let her take the hot seat for a second. <laughs> Quick chameleon, how's it going? Oh, well, you know, I'm good. How are you? Pleasure. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. So I'm sure you've learned a lot about him. Yeah, now we've learned a lot. <laughs> yes. We got to. I'm the backbone of it all. You know, I'm the heart. <laughs> Congratulations, you're you're working as a registered nurse now, right? Yes, correct. Yes, I am. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I've been seeing that journey all along since all those long studying nights with the pepperoni pizzas and all that. Man, it was We'll have to get you and, and my wifey on the podcast, you know, have a, a duo going. Oh, yeah. Ooh, yeah, get the woman's perspective on the reptile life. Yes, yes. <laughs> or the bearing, you know, all the shit they have to go through with us. No comment. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> We're breaking up. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was a pleasure seeing you guys. Pleasure meeting you. Thank you so much. You as well, brother. Bear with me here momentarily. I'm going to check right with you. I'm going to go ahead and close it up, and I'll be right back with you guys. All right. Thank you so much for joining us. This was the Spirit Animal Podcast with the Snake Father, as well as the Snake Father and Friends. They do have a collaboration as well going on, and this is a beautiful network that uh, the snake father started check us out as, as well on the reptile uh, uh facebook page as well we do have the reptile mafia facebook page that we started quite a long in the backs of of when we actually started talking uh, but this was an amazing conversation hopefully we can get nurse perry as well as the snake father back on here for a future podcast with the duo maybe the wife can hop on as well 
but those are for future dates. Uh, for the future, uh, uh, we will be having uh, next week Ari Luna, owner of La Bella Boutique, uh, Reptuck as well, and collaboration with Cobra Tucson, Arizona. Uh, thank you so much for joining us as well, Bosa Balls, uh, Aaron. You all have a wonderful night. This was the Spirit Animal Podcast, the real George of the Jungle.